Father, I thank you for the opportunity that we have to come together and to worship you, God. May we never take that for granted, Lord. Father, you are good. Again, we thank you for fathers. Father, I ask that you would be with those who this might be their first year without their father, God. Or maybe it's not their first year, God. Draw close to them today. We thank you, Father, that you establish the role of father and that you are the example of a good father. So we thank you for our, our earthly fathers, God. And pray, Father, that they would know today they are loved. I pray for the role of fathers and families, God. That it would be one that would be looked up upon and not down upon. So I thank you for this gift that you've given us with fathers. May we treasure it. Father, as we come into this time, God, may our hearts be open ready to receive. In Jesus' name, amen.
grow my earthly aims in time will turn to dust let me
new day, Father, and your new mercies. Thank you for the hope, God, that we can be born again of your Spirit, Lord, and washed clean by your blood. Thank you, Father, that you are victorious. God, there's no other like you. For you are holy, holy, holy. Thank you for the joy that we have in Christ. Thank you for the hope that we have in Christ. Thank you for the peace that we have in Christ. Oh, Father, thank you, God, that we do not have to set our gaze on the temporalness of this life. But, God, we can look up and fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. So, Father, thank you. We ask, oh God, that our time together will be pleasing to you, Father, and that we would truly have hearts to receive your word, that it will take root in our lives and bring forth lasting fruit, that our lives, oh God, would bring you glory and honor, that we would be about our Father's business, that we will turn from the worthless cares of this life that we would take each step forward, advancing your kingdom by your power for your glory, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Don't be misled, for the justice of God will not be mocked. You are going to harvest what you plant, and we've been discussing this for quite some time now. We understand this concept. It's a kingdom principle for your individual life, for your family life, and for the nation. As people go, as people sow in and plant, they can expect what they're giving themselves to to come forth from it. You sow to destruction, you'll reap destruction. You sow to godliness, to righteousness, you'll reap godliness and righteousness. How are we living? As the church of Christ, how are we living? Individually, corporately, and then nationally. See, the the church should be impacting every area of life. Are you seeking him? The word of God says that you will find him if you seek him with your whole heart. See, a walk in Christ, a life in Christ is not just about religious duty. No, it's about a life surrendered. And I'm going to encourage you to watch this video that I posted. This is podcast. The gentleman's name is Beckett Cook. And he's interviewed by this other man that I, I, it's the first time I ever heard of him, but apparently he was real big in the skateboarding and the, that type of um, sport. And um, he's given his life to Christ, so he has this podcast called Foolishness. Because scripture says that the, the message of the cross is foolish to those who aren't saved. So anyways, this guy, this ex-skater, is interviewing Beckett, and Beckett has been delivered from the gay lifestyle. 
But you have to hear this young man, or this, he's probably not young, but an older guy speak about how God delivered him. But I want you, and I, I, I pray that you would go and you would watch this, just for anything, just to see the joy on these two guys' faces when they're talking about Jesus. When they talk about their old life and then who they are now in Christ and the zeal and the passion and the joy that they have to forsake the world and all that they had in this world for Christ and the hope that they have in Christ and how they're sharing it with others even though it's going to cost them everything. And I got so much joy watching this last night. I've read Beckett's testimony. I've read his book. His book is phenomenal. But just to see these two guys just share, it just really encouraged me last night to go, God, there's, there's so many people out there that we don't know, but yet they're serving and they're living for Christ. They may not have huge platforms, but what God has given them, they're faithful with. Are you faithful with what God has given you? Are you living out the newness of life? And, and what they kept bringing up last night was this understanding that we've talked about a lot because it's Scripture. You must be born again. Jesus says you must be born again of the Spirit. Beckett was sitting in church because a week before he was in this church, he was at a coffee shop with his best friend. They live in California. Beckett was in Hollywood. He ran and, and, and he had elbows and, you know, was real close with the, the, the big stars and the whole crowd. So he's at this coffee shop and he sees this guy bring out this book of Romans. You see these other guys come sit down and join him and they're opening up the Bibles. And Beckett and his friend, both in the lifestyle, both atheists, looked over and said, well, this is strange. You've never seen anyone carry a Bible in California, especially in this area. And so to turn to, turn to them and to kind of mock them, to mock the Christians, and end up turning around... <laughs> For Christ to bring forth Beckett from that lifestyle. And so Beckett said after he was engaging with them, he finally asked the question, what does God say? What do you say God says about homosexuality? And he said the man just kind of turned and looked at him and said it's a sin. And then he invited Beckett to church. And Beckett the next week didn't know why he wanted to go to church. He was kind of wrestling with, like, you know, who he was. But he ends up going to church. He says he sat there. And under the preaching of God's word, the Holy Spirit just fell on him and convicted him. You're a sinner. You're apart from me. But I'm calling you to myself. I'm revealing myself to you. I'm God. And I love you. I'm merciful. He said it was in that moment that he realized. Like, oh God. 
Everything I have, everything I am, is against you. And Beckett humbled himself that day. And his whole life has radically changed. Radically changed. Because of God, you all. Because of Jesus. And the skater kind of, I've got to go find the skater's testimony. He apparently has done it on the ministry called I Am Second. But anyways, he kind of shares that how, how he was suicidal, how he divorced his wife, and just his lifestyle. And just how God, the, 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 this God himself revealed himself. And as I'm listening to this, and you said, why are you sharing this with me, us today? Because I just want you all to understand that scripture tells us that God is pleased to reveal himself to us through his son, Jesus. You see, God understands our condition because we're all born in sin. We are born in rebellion towards the kingdom of God. And without this understanding, without this knowledge... <laughs> without God himself being pleased to reveal himself to us, to open up our eyes, that we would humble ourselves and receive this free gift of salvation, to be engrafted into his kingdom, to be given the right to call him Abba, to call him Daddy, to be given this newness of life, that we're no longer settling for the temporal things of life, but no, we understand that we have been purchased of God and by God. That we belong. That we are now reconciled to our Creator, no longing, no longer allowing the creative to lord over us or to draw us. But God, you all, to see these two men talk and share. Oh, it just refreshed my soul last night just refreshed my soul I said God you're moving throughout the earth God is moving so many times we can look at what's going on and sometimes it's just overwhelming with the plague with the riots with this with that with sickness with disease with financial issues with family issues depression you name it it's just at all-time high level. <laughs> and sometimes it can just be overwhelming. And in prayer this morning, I was re- reminded of the scripture that I want us to go to. It's 2 Kings chapter 6. So go to 2 Kings cha- chapter 6, verse 15 through 17. And as we're reading through these scriptures this morning, let us remember what you plant you're going to harvest. If we continue to plant discouraging seeds, if we continue to allow ourselves to be overwhelmed and drawn in to the chaos of this world, if we continue to allow every other movement to, to draw us in and we neglect the kingdom like something's wrong. Like, see, we understand that there is a battle taking place. The Bible is very clear. It tells us our, 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 our war is not and our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against, it, is, it is against the rulers and the principalities and the air and the darkness. It is a spiritual war. 
And as a Christian, I keep reminding us that we're waking up behind enemy lines. So when you're getting up in the morning and you're going about your days, how is that truth for you? I've sat with multiple people throughout this week. Actually, it was just a couple of days. (laughs) But there's such a level of discouragement. And Lord knows I've been there. Because that is an area that the enemy loves nothing more than to just run wild with me. It's just to bring on a burden and a heaviness of discouragement. And so I'm sitting with different people and, and there's a level of discouragement and I'm trying to, you know, you know, we're praying and, and I'm trying to encourage them. And I go, God, help us as believers to put into practice and to live out your word. Not in our own strength, but by depending upon the Holy Spirit. Because he's been given to us. He's our comforter. He's our teacher. He's our guide. And the Bible says that if we walk habitually in the spirit, we won't gratify the desires of the flesh. Are you walking habitually in the spirit? Are you learning to take steps with him? Are you seeking truth? You know, you've heard me say many times, if if I come over and I start slapping you around, you're going to fight back. But if we're so quick to do that in the physical, why aren't we quick to do that in the spiritual? We're behind enemy lines. And we must prepare for battle daily and throughout the day. We must truly come to a grips that this world is not our home. But we are here for a reason. We are here for a reason. And it's about our Father. It's about His kingdom come. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's about taking the authority that you have in Christ and begin to go forth each and every single day living in it. That others may see that there's something different about you. And then we recognize not everyone wants Christ. Not everybody wants to live for Jesus. And that's okay. They're not our enemies. No matter how they treat us, no matter what they say about us, they're not our enemy. You know, in fact, Jesus tells his disciples that if you go into a city and they don't receive the message, turn, walk out of the city, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them, and move on. See, not everyone's living for Jesus, you all. That's not the goal. That's not going to happen. And Jesus himself tells us. But if you're living for Jesus, live for him. Grow up. Mature in. Allow your faith to be developed and added to. So that you are growing and you're maturing. And you can announce the kingdom of God. You can look at things differently. And this is what the scripture that came to my heart in prayer this morning reminded me of. The prophet Elisha had a servant. (laughs) 
let's go to I said I know I said verse 15 but let's go to verse 14 well verse 13 so it goes on and says go and find out where he is the king commanded so I send so so I can send troops to seize him and the report came back Elisha is at Dothan so one night the king of Aram sent listen to this a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. There's no way out, Elisha. <laughs> when the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. And look at verse 16. Don't be afraid. Elisha told him, For there are more on our side than on theirs. Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, notice where he looked, (laughs) he looked up. He saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. He brought the report back to the man of God. Oh, what are we going to do? He's afraid. He sees what's happening in the temple. He sees the vast army has surrounded the city. There's no way out, Elisha. The prophet prays that his eyes would be opened. And God answered the prayers. And the servant looked up and saw heaven's armies on the horizon. Oh, people, we've got to look up. We've got to look up. We've got to encourage ourselves to understand that, listen, this is not our home. This is not our home. It is about his kingdom. And, and last week I spent our couple hours together talking about the kingdom of God. And so I want to just kind of jump in real quick before we hit our scriptures this morning. I want us to go to Matthew chapter 6, verse 34 and 33 and 34. We looked at these two last week. We've got to be kingdom minded, you all. Chapter three, I mean chapter six of Matthew, verse thirty-three and thirty-four. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and live righteously, and He will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. We got to lift up off of us the discouragement. We got to lift up off of us the sin that so easily entangles us, and we've got to run the race, you all. The Christian life is not a hum bum drum life. Like, oh. No, we have been liberated. Amen. We have been freed. We're no longer a slave to sin. Now we are slaves to righteousness because of Christ's sake. All that He has done. He is victorious. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. This is good news to tell others. 
This is great news to tell others. And he is doing it throughout the earth, delivering people from all walks of life, delivering the sinners, transforming, transforming, transforming them from darkness to light. God, slow to anger, so merciful, and yet for so long we've raised up our fist against Him. People hear the message of the gospel, and it does bring great offense. It angers people. Because no one wants to give up their rights. Everyone wants to control their own lives, go their own way, enjoy their own desires and pleasures. And how dare you tell me I can't, no matter what the sin is. You see, the temporalness of life. And we are told by Jesus, seek the kingdom above all else and live righteously. And you, listen, and he will give you everything you need. What are you planting? What choices and decisions are you making? Are you seeking God in the midst of chaos in your life? In troubled times? An unsteady heart? With an unsteady heart? Are you seeking him? Are you seeking for wisdom? Are you asking? Are you seeking? Are you knocking? Are you believing? Are you hoping? I mean, this is the Christian life. We recognize in this world we will have trouble, but God, you've told me to be of good cheer. And maybe right now in this moment, you're not of good cheer. (laughs) But I would ask you to seek Christ. Be real, be vulnerable. Talked to someone the other day. They were as discouraged as anyone could be discouraged and just overwhelmed. You saw it on their countenance, on their body language, the words that were coming out of their mouth. (laughs) And all I could do is look, and I know because I've been there. And the only thing I could do was to encourage them. In Christ. Remember Jesus. He's enough. Even in the midst of all of this. Even in the midst of the unknown. He's enough. Don't take your eyes off of him. Seek him. You know, and they apologize. Oh, you know, I shouldn't come in this way. I said, no, no, don't apologize. No, come in this way. You need to be real. You need to be vulnerable. It's not about putting on a facade like you're this perfect Christian and life is just, you know, you're just floating on clouds and singing Kumbaya all day. No, you're living behind enemy lines and you're going to grow discouraged. You're going to be tempted. You're going to feel all these things. But we must seek first the kingdom because he makes a way out of every temptation. He tells us and encourages us, don't grow weary in doing good, for in the right time, the right season, you will reap a harvest. No, life is hard. 
but be of good cheer. Remind yourself. You got to speak to yourself. Got to let yourself know truth. Like I may see it this way, but truth says this. No weapon forged against me shall prosper. Truth says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. Truth says that I am an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and the word of his testimony. Truth says that I've been engrafted into a kingdom that cannot be shaken. You see, see, are you talking? Are you planting these seeds? Are you serving others? Are, Are you asking the Holy Spirit, teach me, show me how to think of others before I even think of myself today? Could you imagine if the church would just be the church and just live it out? Live it out. And allow God to advance His kingdom. I mean, again, people are dying because of their faith in Christ. People are paying the ultimate sacrifice for believing in Jesus because they're living it out. They're living it out. And I'm challenged. And I hope when you see these these posts that I post, I hope you see them. I hope you're just not scrolling by them, but I hope that you're looking at these lives that have been taken because of their faith. And I hope that you're praying for the persecuted church. And I hope you're allowing it to challenge you in your faith and in your walk. Like these people are told to deny Jesus, stop preaching, stop gathering, stop worshiping. I'm like, no. And their lives are taken. And, and, and I keep telling us. Like, that's enough to open up your eyes spiritually to go, wait a minute, we're behind enemy lines. Because reality is, and truth is, is that you would want Christians in your community. You would want Christians in your business. You would want Christians in your nation. Because they're very hospitable people. They serve. They're hard workers. They're committed. They don't get caught up with the affairs of the craziness of this world. They're focused. Their message is one of redemption and one of love. They're peaceful people. And yet they're being slaughtered throughout the earth at a higher level than we've ever seen before. And I go, God help us. Because there's a lot of people showing up for church today in America. Or they're gathering online, depending on what state they're in. But if we didn't have the COVID thing going on, churches would be open, people would be flooded in. There's huge churches. There's almost churches on every corner. <laughs> and look at our nation. Churches in in our nation are confused. They don't even know what the gospel is. Pa- 
pastors, pastors and their staff, they're meeting to figure out how to keep entertaining the folk. They're not preaching against sin. They're not talking about God's kingdom. And if they are, they're twisting it to make people feel better about themselves. And they're utilizing it for their purpose and then for their benefit. And how sad. How sad. You see, we truly have got to seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. There's people today that didn't even get up to come to church because there's all this other stuff going on in their life. And yet, as soon as things fall or come against them, they're seeking for the church. Ah, there's nothing wrong with that, but if that's the condition and that's how you're living, you're not first seeking the kingdom because you're to be kingdom-minded every day, every moment of every hour, every second. Like, this is who I am now. This is how I am to live. This is who God is. And we seek first His kingdom. We live righteously. And that we know that He will provide for us. Go to Matthew 13. Oh, we can find encouragement in the Word of God. We're going to read verse 1 through verse 52. These are parables that Jesus gave. We've, saw, we've read through the first parable before, but we're going to look at it again. Later that same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the, the lake. A large crowd soon gathered around him. So he got into a boat. Then he sat there and taught as the people stood on the shore. He told many stories and former parables such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. He scattered them across his field. Some seeds fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among the thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. His disciples came and asked him, Why do you use parables when you talk to the people? And he replied, You are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given, and they will have, look at this, an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. That is why I use these parables. Are you seeking knowledge, you all? Are you seeking wisdom? Are you listening to the teachings of Christ? Oh, it's vital for your Christian life. He goes on. For they look, but they don't really see. They hear, but they don't really listen or understand. 
This fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah that says, When you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened, and their ears cannot hear, and they have closed their eyes, so their eyes cannot see, and their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me. Look at this. My God, heal them. This is Jesus, you all. This is Jesus. People are showing up, turning on, listening to God's word, but really not receiving it. Really not receiving it. Having a form of godliness, but denying his power. Not living out the Christian life. Never being born again. And God, that just breaks my heart. That just breaks my heart. Going in and just doing the duties. Going in and just adding Jesus to my life. Well, I go to church today if I can, if I want. <laughs> no, no, I may read the word or, or a few verses here. No, I may post a little Christian post or some type of encouragement. <laughs> but there's no roots down. It, it's, there's nothing. Because they haven't been born again. Or have you been born again? This is the question. Have you been born of the Spirit? You've been washed by His blood. Are you a new creation? This is the question. You know, but ultimately God knows. God knows the condition of your heart. And God's desire is that none shall perish. God's desire is that we would be healed. That we would have been made whole. Listen to what he says here. They cannot turn to me and let me heal them. But, blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. I tell you the truth. Many prophets and many righteous people longed to see what you see, but they didn't see it. And they longed to hear what you hear, but they didn't hear it. Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches it, snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receives it. Look at this with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by, look at this, the worries of life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. 
The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as has been planted. Do you pray for the heart, the soil of your heart? Oh, you ought to. You ought to be able to look and and pray and see What's the condition of my heart? What happens as I'm hearing God's word, as I get up from today, after hearing God's word, how has it impacted my life? Am I growing? Am I maturing? Am I filled with with joy? And I'm like, yes, Lord, I'm in agreement with this. But as soon as you get up and as soon as you go out, all of a sudden, what happened to truth? All of a sudden, the cares of life, all of a sudden, the desires from within are pulling you. All of a sudden, all this craziness around you, your relationships, your this, your that. They try to lord over you. But what are you doing with truth? How are you protecting what's been entrusted to you? How are you living it out? How are you standing with the full assurance of who Christ is and who you are in Him. How many of you this week drew the line and said, no more, not on my watch, not for my family, not for my city, not for my friends, not even for my own life. How many of you just allowed your mind to to wreak havoc without taking thoughts captive and saying, no, 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 wait a minute. That is not truth. That's a lie. And you're just locked up in your own room. Saying this to yourself. Sometimes you got to battle. Have you battled this week? Or have you just given up? Have you lost the word? Have you lost the hope? Like this is warfare, you all. How does he transform us? By changing the way we think. You have to know truth. You've got to get into the word. You've got to know your God. And that's one reason why I'm walking through scriptures with us. Because I want us to know our God. Because when you know your God, you'll be able to stand when he's being accused of everything and anything. And you can say, I'm not moved by how you see God. (laughs) Because I know Him. (laughs) I know Him. And I know that the love that He has, that He would rescue a sinner like me. Like He would step in (laughs) when darkness was all around me to devour me. And say, no, no. (laughs) He's mine. Take your hands off of them. As he does for each of you. He steps in and says, no, no, no. They're mine. Are you his? Do you belong to him? Have you received salvation through Christ? Here's another story. Jesus told. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seed in his field. 
But that night, as the workers slept, his enemies came, or his enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat. They slipped away. When the crop began to grow and produce grain, the weeds also grew. The farmer's workers went to him and said, Sir, the field where you planted the good seed is full of weeds. Where did they come from? An enemy has done this, the farmer exclaimed. Should we pull out the weeds? They asked. No, he replied. You'll uproot the wheat if you do. Let both grow together until the harvest. Then I would tell the harvesters to sort out the weeds, tie them into bundles, and burn them, and to put them, put the wheat in the barn. We read this a few weeks ago. Here's the illustration Jesus used. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree and birds come and make nests in its branches. Jesus also used this illustration. Listen, the kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she put only a little yeast in the three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. Jesus always used stories and illustrations like these when speaking to the crowds. In fact, he never spoke to them without using such parables. This fulfilled what God has spoken to the prophet. I will speak to you in parables. I will explain things hidden since the creation of the world. Then leaving the crowds outside, Jesus went to the house. His disciples said, please explain to us the story of the weeds in the field. And Jesus replied, the son of man is a farmer, is the farmer who plants the good seed. The field is the world and the good seed represents the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people who belong to the evil one. The enemy who planted the weeds among the wheat is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the harvesters are the angels. Just as the weeds are sorted out and burned in the fire, so it, will be, so it will be at the end of the world. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will remove from his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. And the angels who throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in their Father's kingdom. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. The kingdom of heaven, look at this, is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. It is in his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a fishing net that was thrown into the water and caught fish of every kind. When the net was full, they dragged it up unto the shore, sat down and sorted the good fish into crates, but threw out the bad one or threw the bad ones away. That is why, that's why, huh, that is the way it will be at the end of the world. The angels will come and separate the wicked people from the righteous, throwing the wicked into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Do you understand all these things? Yes, they said, we do. Then he added, every teacher 
of religious law who becomes a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like a homeowner who brings from his storeroom new gems of truth as well as old. The kingdom of heaven, you all. These are Jesus' words. This is Jesus. Do you have ears to hear, you all? Are you hearing what is being said about the kingdom of God? Are you sowing into the kingdom? Are you giving yourself daily, moment by moment, to the kingdom of God? If you are a child of God, you're, you're to be kingdom-minded. Before you touch, before you look upon, before you allow words to come forth, before you allow thoughts just to rule and reign, are you lining them up with truth? Do I really need this? Is it honoring God? What, what, is going to, what am I going to harvest if I give myself to this? Rather, it's my thoughts, rather, it's my eyes, rather, it's my ears, or rather, my tongue. You need to look at the whole, you all. And you got to live for Christ. You got to live for Christ. He begins this work in you. He is faithful to complete it, but he's not going to force us. Like cultivate the soil of your heart daily. Be in prayer. There's spiritual disciplines. Fast. Be in fellowship. Get discipled. Grow as a Christian. Pursue Christ. Live out your life. And don't let anyone or anything lord over you. Don't let anyone or anything be more important in your life than your relationship with Christ. Are you born again? Go to Deuteronomy. Chapter 7 and 8 we're looking at today. Great chapters. And I really hope that you all are reading through Deuteronomy and Praying through it. I love this portion of scripture. I don't know if your Bible has it, but a lot of different Bibles have like titles over each chapter. And the title over chapter 7 is The Privilege of Holiness. Chapter 8 is titled within this New Living Translation. A call to remember and obey. The privilege of holiness and a call to remember and obey. Oh, I hope you wrote that down. I hope you capture that. So many times we, we look at the Christian life and we see it as burdensome. We, it, how crazy is that? We see holiness as a burden. As if we're being robbed of something. As this looks better than that. <laughs> and that ought not be for a Christian. Because the Word of God says, Be holy as I am holy. The privilege of holiness. God is leading this new generation of His people into the promised land. When the Lord your God brings you into the land you are about to enter and occupy, 
He will clear away many nations ahead of you. All of those ites, I'm not going to read them and chop them up. (laughs) These seven nations are greater and more numerous than you. Listen to this. When the Lord your God hands these nations over to you and you conquer them, you must completely destroy them. Make no treaties with them and show them no mercy. You must not intermarry with them. Do not let your daughters and sons marry their sons and daughters, for they will lead your children away from me to worship other gods. Then the anger of the Lord will burn against you, and he will quickly destroy you. This is what you must do. You must break down their pagan altars and shatter their sacred pillars. Cut down their asher poles and burn their idols. For you are a holy people who belong to the Lord your God. Of all the people on the earth, the Lord your God has chosen you to be his special treasure. The Lord did not set his heart on you and and chose you because you were more numerous than other nations. For you were the smallest of all nations. Rather, it was simply, oh, that we would hear this. Rather, it was simply that the Lord loves you. And he was keeping the oath he had sworn to your ancestors. That is why the Lord rescued you with such a strong hand from your slavery and from the oppressive hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Understand, therefore, that the Lord your God is indeed God. He is the faithful God who keeps his covenant for a thousand generations and lavishes his unfailing love on all those who love him and obey his commandments. Oh, highlight that. Underline those verses because when I tell you you need to know your God, get to know your God, understand who he is, look what these verses just reveal to you. The character of God. And verse 10 but he does not hesitate to punish and destroy those who reject him. Therefore, you must obey all these commandments, or all these commands, decrees, and regulations I'm giving you today. If you listen to these regulations and faithfully obey them, the Lord your God will keep his covenant of unfailing love with you as he promised with an oath to your ancestors. He will love you and bless you, and he will give you many children. He will give... Fertility to your land and your animals. When you arrive in the land he swore to give to your ancestors, you will have a large harvest of grain, new wine and olive oil, and great herds of cattle, sheep and goats. You will be blessed above all the nations of the earth. None of your men or women will be childless, and all your livestock will bear young. And the Lord will protect you from all sickness. He will not let you suffer from the terrible diseases you knew in Egypt but he will inflict them on all of your enemies. You must destroy all the nations the Lord your God hands over to you. Show them no mercy and do not worship their gods or they will trap you. Perhaps you will think to yourselves, how can we ever conquer these nations that are so much more powerful than we are? But don't be afraid of them. Just remember what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to the land of Egypt. Remember the great terrors the Lord your God sent against them. 
you saw it all with your own eyes and remember the miraculous signs and wonders and the strong hand and powerful arm with, with which he brought you out of Egypt. The Lord your God will use this same power against all the people you fear. And the Lord your God will send terror to drive out the few survivors still hiding from you. No, do not be afraid of those nations, for the Lord your God is among you, and he is great and an awesome God. The Lord your God will drive those nations out ahead of you little by little. You will not clear, you will not clear them away all at once. Otherwise, the wild animals would multiply too quickly for you. But the Lord your God will hand them over to you. He will throw them into complete confusion until they are destroyed. He will put their kings in your power. I'm sorry. He will put their kings in your power and you will erase their names from the face of the earth. No one will be able to stand against you and you will destroy them all. You must burn their idols in fire, and you must not covet the silver or gold that covers them. You must not take it, or it will become a trap to you, for it is detestable to the Lord your God. Do not bring any detestable objects into your home, for then you will be destroyed just like them. You must utterly detest such things, for they are set apart for destruction. Oh, that's a lot. But it's so good. This, you read this and there's such a beautiful picture how, how, how merciful God is. But then on the flip side, you see that he's a just God. He's a just God. How many of you heard people say, how can you serve a God like this? And they like to bring him up from the Old Testament. How can you love a God like that? How could you not? That's the question. He's a just God. His punishment is fair. He's slow to anger. His love endures forever. He's merciful. But he's not going to tolerate sin. He's not going to tolerate disobedience. He's not going to tolerate evil. And these other nations were evil nations. They had their own gods, their goddesses. They adorned them. They created them with their hands and they adorned them with gold and silver. They worshipped them. They, 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 they even burned their children at their altars. They were drunken festivals, orgies, everything going on, running amok in these other nations. And God says, no more. I will clear them out. And you would take their land. And we will establish righteousness. Like I'm giving it all to you. But he tells them. But if you don't follow my commands. If your heart turns from me. It'll come on you. And that's exactly what happens as we continue through the Old Testament. 
the people of God turned from God. They turned. And instead of following and understanding the privilege of being called into holiness, they rejected it. They started intermarrying. And unless we're confused, we're not talking about race. We're talking about faith. That's why in the New Testament, it says, don't yoke yourself with unbelievers. What is a Christian doing with an unbeliever in a relationship? How does that work? You're going to be led astray. You're going to end up following their ways. It also was addressed in the New Testament as maybe the wife becomes a Christian. She has an unsaved husband. The Bible tells that wife, live it out before them in hopes that the husband would come to Christ. But as a Christian, you don't go yoking yourself in a relationship, in an intimate relationship, building emotions and feelings with an unbeliever. (laughs) You're warned. Don't do it. Nothing good is coming from it. And yet, the Israelites gave themselves over. And when they started intermarrying, they started worshiping the gods that their spouses worshipped. They became their gods. They gave in to perversion. They gave in to the temptation of wealth. They gave in and and given themselves over to anything and everything. And where was God? Where was God? He had revealed himself to them. He has spoken. He spoke through fire. He, he, He called them out as his own. He delivered them from their bondage. He set them free. They witnessed his greatness. And yet, they chose the temporal things of life to heal them. (laughs) To heal them. In reality, it couldn't heal them. Can't heal them. And so God sends forth, as we will read... (laughs) Is punishment. And I said before already, a few weeks ago, months ago, whenever, just so we're clear, just so we're clear, I know this isn't popular, it's not a popular teaching, because the teaching of today says to us, the God of the Old Testament is gone. Jesus did away with him. That because of Jesus, there's no more punishment. There's no more there's no more wrath. There's no God's not angry anymore. <laughs> and we make it all about this gooey ooey, lovey, weird, hippie, kumbaya, all loved, 
Everyone's going to heaven. Live however you want. It's okay. The grace of God covers you. And we don't even deal with sin. Individually. In the family. Corporately. And could someone please show me in the New Testament where that's written out? I've asked for 20 some odd years for someone to show me where on earth does it say in the New Testament that He's no longer a God of wrath. I can live however I want. No. Come on, you all. So you got to have ears to hear. Careful, careful, careful of what's, what you're listening to. I mean, we're told already in Scripture the reason why we have the Old Testament. I told you living under the New Covenant it's a lot harder than the old covenant. That's what the Bible says. The wrath of God is stored up because the grace of God has been displayed. His will is that none shall perish, that people would come to Christ and accept the fullness of salvation through Christ, reconciled back to God. Romans 5.1 So now therefore you're at peace with God through Jesus Christ your Lord. You're not meant for wrath. You're not meant for His destruction. You're meant for His love. You were created for Christ. You were created for Him. And we want to keep playing church and just going our way and just singing kumbaya. Yes, I'm a Christian. I've slapped Jesus on my life and just live and, and run amok and, and stomp his blood underneath our feet like it's nothing. Making him to be this common, weird guru. Ah ha ha. Be careful. Because <laughs> you're destined for his wrath, for an eternal wrath. And people say, ah, how can you love a God? How can you serve a God who sends people to hell? And like I've said over and over to us, people choose to go. He just gives you what you want. Because he has revealed himself to all. You choose this day. Do you love Him? The greatest commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your body, and with all your strength. Do you love Him, you all? The privilege of holiness. Go in. Subdue. Remove. This is yours. And as He does in our lives, Tear down everything. Remove everything that doesn't honor Him. He's God, you all. Be careful, he goes on in chapter 8, to obey all the commands I'm giving you today. 
Then you will live and multiply, and you will enter and occupy the land the Lord swore to give to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for these 40 years, humbling you, testing you to prove your character and to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. Yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna, a food previously unknown to you and your ancestors. He did it to teach you that people do not live, oh my goodness, look at this, do not live by bread alone. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Where have we heard that before? Jesus in the wilderness when he was being tempted. Listen to this. For all these 40 years, your clothes did not wear out. Your feet didn't blister or swell. Think about it. Just as a parent disciplines a child, the Lord your God disciplines you. Look at this. For your own good. (laughs) Don't turn from his discipline, you all. Stop asking God to get you out. From the weight that you feel on you. The prayer is to see you through it. God, I don't want to end. I don't want to get out of this until I get all that I need to get me through it. Because I know as soon as I get through this, there's something else in front of me. Trials come. Life happens. To produce within you perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. And that hope is in Christ. And that's a lesson I learned many years ago. I was always crying out, poor me, poor me. I had my little pity party, poor me, look at my life. Everything's going wrong, nothing works out, blah, 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 blah. Are you finished, Rob? Get up. That God, I'm sorry. It's been many years complaining, murmuring, fault finding, whining. Oh, my poor life. Instead of saying, oh God, see me through it. I'm going to be stronger in character. But I can't if I'm not persevering. See, we've got to be a people who persevere. And years ago, I taught on this. I encouraged us in this. I believe the problem with the church today, especially the Western church, is we give up too quickly. We don't understand what it is to persevere into righteousness, into godliness, into holiness. No, we give up. And then we take camp. And we all just create these pity parties. And God is looking down going, where's my people? No, no, endure disciplines. He disciplines those that he loves. So obey, verse 6, the commands of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and fearing him. And that's another thing that happens in our generation. The fear of God is watered down. We make it this fear of, okay, this reverent fear. And yes, that's part of it. But also the other part, fear means fear. (laughs) Fear God. Fear God. The Bible tells you, I don't fear man who could just destroy your body. (laughs) But fear God 
creator that can not only destroy your body, but send you to hell. Like, fear God. Do you fear God? You can live in the fullness of Christ and be in the love of Christ and have the hope of Christ. And I don't have to walk like, oh, is he going to strike me down today? Oh, is he going to do this to me? No, 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 no. I can walk and get when things come up in my way or in your way, you can go, do I really want to give myself to this? Because if I keep turning myself over to this, oh, the wrath of God. I wasn't created for his wrath. I was created for his love. So when I talk about the fear of God, do you understand the wrath of God? Because when you lose the fear of God, when you lose the understanding of the wrath of God, then you're going to give yourself to anything and everything and people will become your God and idols will become your God. Money will become your God. Food and lust will become your God. You name it, it'll all rise up because you have no fear of God. Oh, you better remember he's a God of wrath. And don't you think the enemy is not tempting and luring the church, spreading the seeds of these false gospels that's why we're warned all through the New Testament to be careful of those teachers. Understand not everyone who stands and preaches the word is of God. Every form and doctrine and everything and teaching tries to sweep in to the churches to confuse her. That she will lose her identity. Oh, but we must remember that she is to be a spotless bride. <laughs> not a chaotic bride. Not a schizophrenic bride all over the place. Sleeping around with any type and every type of lover. And giving herself over to anything and everything. And just being tainted and stained. And then yet standing and going, yes, come back for me. Who would want you? He's a holy God. For God's sakes, what man would return and accept a woman who has laid up with anything and everything? But I'm yours, baby. <laughs> Take me. For what? You've been giving yourself over to everything and anything. Let them be your lover. Let them save you. Let them provide for you. Oh, we got to be careful. We got to be careful. He's God, you all. He's God. So obey the commands of the Lord. Verse 7 For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land of flowing streams and pools of water with fountains and springs that gush out in the valleys and hills. It is a land of wheat and barley, of grapevines, fig trees, and pomegranates, and olive oil, and honey. It is a land where food is plentiful and nothing is lacking. It is a land where iron is as a common as stone and copper is abundant in the hills. When you have eaten your fill, be sure to praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. But that is the time to be careful. 
Oh, highlight this. He's telling them, listen, you're about to enter in. And you're going to get everything you need. Every provision is going to be met for you. You're going to grow as a nation. But that is the time to be careful. Be aware that in your plenty, you do not forget the Lord your God and disobey his commands, regulations, and decrees that I'm giving you today. Careful! And your Christian walk. Do not forget him. Oh, but look how blessed I am. Everything's good. My bills are being paid. I'm healthy. My family's doing good. Uh, let's skip church today. Let's not sit down and have a prayer time and Bible study. It fascinates me that when I speak to people, Christians, and I use that term loosely, And they're looking for counsel, either for their individual life, for their marriage, for their family, for their grandkids. And I've said this to you before, usually when I'm sitting down with people, I said, you realize all I have is Jesus to give you, his word, his truth. I always ask them, are you a Christian? And when they say, yes, I am a Christian. And I say, well, then let me know then. How do you spend your time? Take my notes. And there's nothing about Jesus. Like, I'm sorry. When's the last time you sat down and, and you had a prayer time? Um, when's the last time you, you sat down and you had Bible study? When's the last time that you had corporate worship with your family? When's the last time you sat down with the kids and, 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 and you fasted a meal together and you explained to them the benefits of... And they look like deers in the headlights. Like I'm the, like I'm the weird one. You just called yourself a Christian. And none of this is in your life and then you wonder... Oh, I knew you were going to end up like everyone else. You just want to give me scripture. You're just going to tell me to read more scripture. You're just going to tell me to worship. You're just going to tell... Well, what else do you want? Me to, to just to stroke your temporalness? We're taught this is a spiritual condition. You cannot forsake God. Oh, but everything was going good for a couple of years. Life was great. My family, we were blessed. Blah, 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 blah. And, and you thought that you could just go your way? God, if we don't have ears to hear. I know the seasons of my Christian life. Where I neglected prayer, where I neglected fasting, when I neglected worship. I know the hell it was. But I thank God for his discipline. And I thank God for him, for brothers and sisters who cared enough about me to kick me in my butt and say, Get up and remember who God is. Stop playing games. Stop making it all about you. 
Do not forget Him. Do not forget Him. Listen to this. Do not become proud. Oh, let me back up. Verse 17. For when you have become full and prosperous and have built fine homes to live in, and when your flocks and herds have become very large and your silver and gold have multiplied along with everything else, be careful. Do not become proud at that time and forget the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. Do not forget that when you led, when he led you through the great and terrifying wilderness and its poisonous snakes and scorpions, where it was so hot and dry, he gave you water from the rock. He fed you with manna in the wilderness, a food unknown to your ancestors. He did this to humble you and to test you for your own good. He did all this so you would never say to yourself, I have achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. Remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you power to be successful in order to fulfill the covenant he confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. But I assure you of this. If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods, worshiping and bowing down to them, you will certainly be destroyed. Just as the Lord has destroyed other nations in your path, you also will be destroyed if you refuse to obey the Lord your God. Come on, you all. Don't forget him. Obey him. Go to Matthew. No, not Matthew. Luke chapter 7. We're going to read Luke 7, verse 36 through 8, verse 3. I want to tell you this awesome testimony. Let me get my eyes ready to look at the right place. There was this family years ago I was working with. This guy at work. My new things, my sweat, sweat rag. I may start passing them out here in the summer. <laughs> Gracious. Oh, thank you, Lord. <laughs> Sitting down, and we were talking, and he was sharing with me about his marriage, his kids, and he was in church and just going through a really rough time. And I challenged him with what I just shared with you, as I do with people, and you know, he was kind of like, "Well, that's foreign to me." Like, but yet it shouldn't be foreign, Rob. I, wow, wait a minute. And so I encouraged him on taking what steps I would encourage him to take and to do, and just sit down um, with his wife and. You know, write out a vision statement for their marriage and for their home, and so he can put it in front of him and her and their child and their children. And a few months later, he came back to me and he brought this piece of wood type art thing in, and he said, "Here it is." I can't cry. I'm so moved because this is what I'm hanging up in my home. This is what we worked on. And I have seen since that day <laughs> this family move in an amazing way. And God has begun to bless them 
God has provided. They have endured. They're still enduring, but they're healthy. You know what I mean? Not, not just a physical health, but spiritually. And reached out to me this week and shared some great news that God is doing in his life. And I'm just like, man, I'm just so proud of you. I'm just so proud of you. Because you kept faith. Like you kept your eyes on Jesus. And look at what he's doing. Not only for you and for your wife, but for your children. Look how your kids know Christ. Look at the legacy that's being left. God is beautiful, you all. This is, a, this is real, you all. This isn't just like church on Sunday. Like this is a life. God honors his word. He's not man that he should lie. He's God. So don't forget him. This is a beautiful testimony here. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain, look at this, immoral woman from the city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet. She wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. And look at that. <laughs> Simon, he said to the Pharisees, to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 50 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other. But neither of them could repay him, so he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the, law, canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head. But she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she, so she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Listen, you all. This is beautiful. She was an immoral woman. She knew the label that was on her life. She knew how the religious 
the so-called righteous looked at down on her. She's a sinner. She's no good. But I'm a righteous man, the Pharisee can proclaim. I'm right with God because of all the rules and laws that I keep. And yet he's wicked. And he always told you these Pharisees, just like so-called Christians today, they think they know God, but they don't know God. They're not known by God. They may know all the rules and laws and can memorize this and that and back and forth, left and right, and look good at doing it, but they're so far from God. They're quick to condemn and to keep out. We're in, but you're out. And not only that, in this day and age too, women were the lower class. So for this woman, who was an immoral woman, who, who understood the reputation she had among the religious, she understood in her day the, the level of cl the class that she was in. Not only was she a woman, but she was an immoral woman. She was the scum of the earth. But she made her way in to a home of a Pharisee. <laughs> because of Jesus. I just want to be at his feet. I've heard. I've seen what he's done in the lives of others. There has to be hope for me, she says. Have you come to Jesus, you all? I'm broken. I'm wounded. I feel I have no value. But there's one in that home who I've heard, who I've seen restore people. And I long to be restored. I long to live. So she made her way in. And Jesus... knows exactly who she is and the many sins <laughs> he knew her past he knew her present but ultimately hallelujah he knew her future you're healed you're forgiven get up your faith faith has saved you. So go in peace. Go in peace. Everything that identified you before, every wound, every hurt, every heartbreak, every lover who has abandoned you and you've given yourself to, every form of craziness that you allowed yourself to be ruled by, no, no. You're forgiven now. You're different now. Go. Go in peace. Oh, have you heard those words? You all from Jesus. Because when you receive his peace, you're not just going to trade it for anything and anyone. No, no, no. 
You can try as you may, but devil, you can't take my peace. I'm secured in Christ. Are you secured in Christ? Do you have that assurance today, you all? Just three verses here, beginning of chapter 8. Soon afterward, Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. He took his 12 disciples with him, along with some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Among them were Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's business manager, Susanna, and many others who were contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. And I've always said this, Christianity is the only religion on the face of this earth that has raised up women. And yet, for too long, the enemy has allowed the men who are in the church, they're not Christians, to keep women under their feet. Listen. Women have a place at the table with Jesus in the ministry of Jesus to serve Jesus. This is good news. They're not to be oppressed, treated less than. No, they have a place. They have a place. And that is such a beautiful picture. Just those three verses alone. They have a place. And I want you to, before we go to Psalm 69, is where we're heading, verse 1 through 18. Let your testimony be heard. (laughs) Because you never know what a moral person will hear and come to faith in Christ. And come to faith in Christ. If he could do that for her, if he could do that for him, (laughs) he'll do it for me. So tell your testimony. Share of your faith. It's not time to be silent. Oh, people, no, it's not time to be silent. If you listen to the testimony Beckett tells, again, he was hobnobbing with the the in crowd of Hollywood. Tom Hanks, I mean, he's listing all these people, Prince, you know, private parties at Prince's house. I mean, this and that. He's running with the elite of society. He was still getting business because he was a set designer and he would have these different opportunities to tell of Jesus. And of course, they all just kind of looked at him. They tolerated him until his book was released. And as soon as his book was released, his agent made a call to him. He's been with him for years. He says, we have to part ways. But Becky said, I already knew in my heart that this was going to cost me everything. And I was prepared for that. I was prepared to lose everything. 
Because he says, really, but yet really I gained everything. Gained everything. It's not popular opinion in Hollywood or even anywhere now to call out sin. It's not. But let me tell you, through his testimony, God is going to use this man's life as he will use your life and anyone else's life that comes broken before Christ to receive this healing, this wholeness, and then begin to share so that others can look and say, there's something different. Are they seeing something different in your life? If not, then please, dear God, get before God and find out what is going on with the soul of your heart. Get right with Christ. Be rooted in. Be discipled. Just don't be a hearer of the word. Be a doer. Psalm 69, verse 1 through 18. Oh, yes, Lord. Psalm of David. Save me, O God, for the floodwaters are up to my neck. Deeper and deeper I sink into the mire. I can't find a foothold. I am in deep water and the floods overwhelm me. I am exhausted from crying for help. My throat is parched. My eyes are swollen with weeping, waiting for my God to help me. Those who hate me without cause outnumber the hairs on my head. My enemies try to destroy me with lies, demanding that I give back what I didn't steal. My God. Oh God, you know how foolish I am. My sins cannot be hidden from you. Don't let those who trust in you be ashamed because of me. Oh, sovereign Lord of heaven's armies, don't let me cause them to be humiliated. Oh, God of Israel, for I endure insults for your sake. Humiliation is written all over my face. Even my own brothers pretend to don't know me. They treat me like a stranger. Passion for your house has consumed me. And the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. When I weep and fast, they scoff at me. When I, de- when I dress in burlap to show sorrow, they make fun of me. I am the favorite topic of the town gossip. And all the drunks sing about me. But I keep praying to you, Lord. Hoping this time you will show me favor. In your unfailing love, O God, answer my prayer with your sure salvation. Rescue me from the mud. Don't let me sink any deeper. Save me from those who hate me and pull me from these deep waters. Don't let the floods overwhelm me or the deep waters swallow me or the pit of death devour me. Answer my prayers, O Lord, for your unfailing love is wonderful. Take care of me, for your mercy is so plentiful. Don't hide from your servant. Answer me quickly, for I am in deep trouble. Come and redeem me. Free me from my enemies. Oh, praise be to the Lord. Look up. Look up. This is David, King David, the man after God's own heart. Revealing life. 
It sucks sometimes, you all. But God is greater. (laughs) Seek Him. Call upon Him. Trust in Him. Know your God. David was able to endure all that he was facing because of God. Because of his relationship with God. Because of the knowledge that he had of the character of God. And because he knew God has done, is doing, and will do because of God's faithfulness, not David's. Because God is good. Go to Proverbs. One nugget. Proverbs 12, verse 1, which I always say, like, oh, this is my favorite scripture. But for this week, it will be. <laughs> well, for the past couple of weeks, we haven't talked about it. But, anyways, I love this. Listen to this. To learn. You must love discipline. It is stupid to hate correction. <laughs> to learn, you must love discipline. It is stupid to hate correction. Oh, I hope that you're enjoying the seasons of being disciplined when they come upon you. I hope that you have a, 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 an eagerness within you to learn. That you recognize that it's important to grow and to mature you all. So I want to close this with this last song. And then I'll close this in prayer. Chains will fall, my 